good to see you all. Well, this morning, I'm going to share a message with you entitled uh, Distortion. How many of you have ever experienced distortion before? A time, a situation where... You knew things were supposed to be one way, but everything just seemed to be twisted up. This picture to me is a perfect way to illustrate to me how I feel when I'm experiencing distortion. And, and, and when we think about distortion, you, you think about uh, auditory distortion when there's sort of, you're listening to the radio and, and, and things are fuzzy, right? Or, or there's distortion visually when you, and as you get older, how many, right? You like you're looking out here fine. All of a sudden, you look down and you try to read something. Hello, I know every one of you over forty. You guys will admit it, right? Things just get distorted visually, spiritually. Things get distorted. Well, today I I just want to talk about distortion. In fact, actually, it was um, back on June twentieth. I'm sorry, February twentieth. I shared a message about our hearts, and at the end of the message, I really started talking about, uh, I started talking about uh, thought distortion a little bit as a response, sort of at the end of the message. You may recall that if you weren't here that day, you can always go to our website, you can download uh, that message, go to the podcast and listen to it. I just was able to barely introduce uh, that message, and the Holy Spirit really wouldn't let me let it go. It sort of brought me back to it, and so I kind of wanted to, it's almost like a part two of that message. I wanted to kind of talk about that, that subject of distortion a little bit. When we talk about a distortion, a distortion is an interruption or twisting of the signal by giving a misleading or false impression that changes the original intent. So when we talk about distortion, that's, that's what we're talking about, an interruption a twisting of the signal, something that is uh, misleading or gives a false impression that ultimately changes the original intent of what was spoken, of what was said, of what was thought. There are all kinds of disruption from visual disruptions like this interesting picture behind me. And then of course, there are, there are um, the kind of there are the, the kind of distortions that we experience in our everyday life. There are auditory distortions that occur. Um, I, I'm so happy to see that in South Africa, when you're outdoors now, we can take off our masks. That's helpful. Um, I, I'm so happy to see that uh, some of us have extended that when we're indoor as well. I'm sure we're all aware of uh, the policy that still exists when we're indoor, but God bless you. <laughs> there are things that create, and we've lived through about three years of auditory distortion, right? Where you're trying to, you're trying to hear what someone is saying, but they're wearing that mask, and so it creates a distortion, and you can't understand how many times has your order been wrong at a restaurant? How many times have you had to say, excuse me, or pardon me, or could you say that again? Because you didn't really understand what was being said. Um, then, of course, there are some distortions that are conscious, and, and we, we hear that and we're aware of that. But then there are 
some distortions that are unconscious. They go on in our mind and we're not even really aware or conscious of them taking place. And, and so over, over the course of today, I wanna, I wanna really hone in on that. I wanna talk about what are oftentimes unconscious distortions that go on in our minds, in our thought lives, that really do affect our everyday lives. There was a psychiatrist named uh, Dr. Aaron Beck who became famous uh, because he was known as the father of cognitive therapy. And along with others, he began to notice that as he uh, was doing sessions with clients who were struggling with depression and anxiety, uh, not just occasional, but chronic depression, chronic anxiety, he began to notice that there was a pattern that existed with these people that they were experiencing uh, this depression and crushing anxiety because there was this consistent stream of negative thoughts that seemed to arise at first spontaneously. And so at first, uh, Dr. Beck called these automatic thoughts or automatic thinking because it would seem as though in dealing with these clients that it was almost like these thoughts were spontaneous, but there was a pattern there. So as a result of that, Dr. Beck and others began to begin to develop a type of therapy, therapy called cognitive therapy and where in which they would deal uh, with these automatic thoughts. But as that, that sort of therapy began to grow and that mindset around these things began to grow, the name shifted really to what uh, is often called cognitive uh, or thought um, distortions. And that's what it is known as today. In fact, if you Google online thought distortions or cognitive distortions, you'll find all kinds of articles, all kinds of uh, both, you know, just normal everyday articles to highly clinical uh, scientific journal articles on thought distortions or cognitive distortions. And today we're gonna talk about what a thought distortion is and, and actually what the Bible has to say about thought distortions. A thought distortion is an exaggerated pattern of thinking that is not based on facts and consequently usually leads you to view things more negatively than they really are. I'm gonna say that again. A thought distortion is an exaggerated pattern of thinking that is not based on facts and consequently usually leads you to view things more negatively than they really are. Now listen, all of us, every one of us in this room have experienced and can experience and will experience thought distortions. We will all, just like someone puts on a mask and starts to talk to you and you're taking your order and you won't be able to, we all will have moments in our lives where we in our mind will, uh, something will be triggered or something will happen and we'll be reminded of a previous situation or perhaps it's just a misunderstanding because I'm a white dude from Texas in America and you're a brown skinned guy from South Africa and we just miss each other, right? And I say something to you and it offends you because I don't know where you're coming from or you say something to me and I don't understand you because you, you hear what I'm saying? We'll all have those moments and it's normal. Distortion is normal. What, what becomes a problem is when distortion becomes a pattern. When there is a pattern of distorting moments in our mind that then leads to habitual behavior that is destructive. 
And what I really believe the Lord wants to speak to us about this morning, and I, I believe all the way back to the uh, 20th of February when I kind of landed on this toward the end of the message, what I believe the Lord is wanting to move us through is, is a place in which we recognize where there are patterns of distortion, of thought distortion in our lives, and that we address those things so that we in a healthy way can move past those things. Think about it. Every, when we are triggered by a circumstance or a situation or a thought and that that triggering uh, leads us to a place in which we, uh, we have an unhealthy response to a, a person, a circumstance or a situation, that we become all twisted up inside and, and then that spills over into our relationships and it does damages and it keeps us from really being the people God has called us to be. Have you ever had that... Um, you ever had that moment where the boss says, hey, Randy, I need to meet with you today. I need to meet with you today at three o'clock and it's 11 and you're like, oh my goodness, from 11 to three. Oh, what's gonna happen? The last time that a boss asked to meet with me, he chewed me out. The last time that I, I was called into the boss's office, I got fired. The last time I was called into the boss's office is because I did this wrong or that happened or I got accused of this. You know, we've all had that experience, right? And so from 11 to 3, you're like sick all day long, right? You can't eat lunch. You can't enjoy. You can't do your work. Things are going from bad to worse. And you get in there at 3 o'clock and he's like, hey, man, I just want to check in, see how you were doing. <laughs> well, he didn't probably sound like that because I sound like I'm from Texas. But you get the point, right? I just checking in on with you. Hey, you did a good job on this particular report. Wanted to let you know, right? And you spend all day long miserable because you have been triggered by a previous experience. And you spend all of this time assuming and thinking about what it was going to be or what it could be. And then you have all these negative endorphins all day long. You haven't eaten. You have a headache. You're worn out. You're frustrated. And you go into the meeting and you're like, you're ready for a fight. I can always tell when I've asked people for a meeting and they come into the meeting and they're ready for a fight. They just come in and they're ready. And I'm like, dude, what's going on? Calm down. The problem is when things like that become a normal part of my everyday life and then I'm constantly living in that state of negative endorphins, I'm constantly living in that state of stress and pressure. The Bible actually has a lot to say about our mental health. And I love that because we seem to believe in a season in which uh, there's a lot of attention being paid to our mental health, which is good. It's good that that's there. Uh, but the Bible's really not silent about that. The Bible is actually quite uh, clear and has a lot to say about our emotional and mental health. And so as believers, we have a lot to offer our world right now that is high, in a very high way, very aware of what's going on in itself emotionally and internally. And so I want us to address some of that this morning by looking a little bit deeper at a passage that, as I mentioned, I sort of ended on back on February the 20th. Um, I'm going to read a pretty large portion of this passage of Scripture um, and if you remember on February the 20th, I had encouraged you to memorize Philippians uh, chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. Well, I'm going to go ahead and read the whole thing to you all the way to 9 because I want you to see the context and I want us to work through it today because I believe there's a lot for us to learn about dealing with automatic thoughts or, or thought distortions from this particular passage of Scripture. Let's go to Philippians chapter 4 and let's begin in verse 1. 
Therefore, my brothers who I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Yodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I also, excuse me, yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Everyone say reasonableness. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's important when you read these scriptures in context because I've heard that quoted many, many times, but it actually is in the context of this idea of, of distorted thinking. It's, it's actually in the context of conflict. It's in the context of, of people who are struggling. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Now, for the sake of time this morning, I'm gonna move very, very quickly through this information, but I want you to pick up on what Paul really is teaching the church in this context of the situation of conflict and people who are struggling together and as a result, their struggle in their relationship is affecting the way they think about each other and is affecting the way the community is thinking and it's created disruption within the community. Paul gives some very clear instructions about how to deal with disruptive thinking or distorted thinking, especially as it's creating conflict in the community. It's important to recognize here that Paul, he was speaking, hello? Paul wasn't speaking to heathen, he was speaking to the church. He was speaking to Christians who were fighting. And as he was speaking to the people, it's important to understand that their conflict between these two ladies were not just hurting themselves, but they were affecting the entire community. And it was affecting the witness of the community and the capacity of the community to represent Christ. In other words, he was calling them to a place where something about how they would operate in their relationship with themselves, in particular in their thinking, would serve as a witness to the world around them. We have no idea what was causing the conflict, but we do know that Paul was pleading with these ladies and he was pleading with the entire community to challenge their thinking and to think in a way that would overcome the distortion. The first thing that I want you to see that's very clear in this passage of scripture is that if you and I are going to deal with thought distortion, if we're gonna deal with twisting of thoughts that cause us to disconnect from reality and create conflict and problems in our lives, then we must find an anchor in the mental and emotional storm. 
I talked to several people before service today, and you guys were telling me about different things that you've gone through over the last month. Man, hasn't this been a mess? And as soon as you get one thing figured out, something else goes wrong. And we have all been collectively walking through this. They were asking, because uh, they follow uh, us on, on Facebook, they were asking because they had seen some of the things that we've been walking through, and it's been a very difficult month. And, and they asked me, how do you stay positive? And I said, well, I'm going to talk about that this morning, because it's not so easy. I've certainly had my fits throwing happening this last month. But what I know from Scripture is that when I'm dealing with the storm, when I'm dealing with the mental and emotional storm, that as a follower of Jesus Christ, I have a base, I have a mooring that I can attach myself to. I can let down my anchor into Jesus. And what Paul was saying to these ladies as he begins the passage is he says, listen, if you can't agree on anything else, if you can't find any common ground, find your common ground in Christ. So for those of us who are dealing with thought distortions, for those of us who find ourselves in situations where our mind is being just, our mind is being tormented with thought after thought after thought that later on we find out is not reality, is not the way things are, and there's a pattern there, then we must develop the discipline in our life when we're caught in those situations to say, you know what, I'm going to anchor myself in Jesus. Is this really what Jesus thinks? Is this really what Jesus says? Is this really God's best for me in this circumstance or this situation. Even if this terrible thing happens, even if this person hates me, even if this is the worst thing that could happen in my possible life, does this change who Jesus says I am? Does this change what God's promises are about me? So what Paul is teaching them is find your common ground, find your anchor in Jesus. If you're here this morning and you're tormented mentally and you find yourself in a cycle where you think things that turn out to not be true are disconnected from reality, can I encourage you today as a follower of Jesus Christ, anchor yourself in your identity in Christ. Is this true about what God says about me? Is this truly God's best for my life? If, even if this worst thing happens, does it change eternity? Does it change who God says that I am? Second thing that I want you to see, and I apologize, I have to move quickly through this. The second thing that I want you to see from this scripture is not only does Paul teach them to find find their anchor in Jesus, to find their common ground in the midst of their conflict, in the midst of where it's obvious that they're believing. Why would Paul, why would Paul give them instructions about believing things that are true and pure and whole? It's because they're thinking things that are not anchored in reality. It's because they're dealing with mental distortion. See, if we read a passage and then we understand the context, then we can see emotively and in reality what is being dealt with. These were people who were believing things that were not true. They were believing things about one another that were not rooted in reality. And so Paul is dealing with their distortion by saying, first of all, get to a common ground, which is Jesus. And secondly, reset my mindset from negative to positive, And this will create stability in my life. Many of us deal with mental and emotional instability because we operate from a place of negative instead of from a place of positive. Now, I'm gonna go through what um, what um, the doctor, the good doctor, Dr. Beck and others have characterized as um, 
as these mental distortions. And you can go read a lot of articles and a lot of work has been done on cognitive therapy since uh, Dr. Beck. And so a lot of people will come up with different lists uh, of cognitive distortions or thought distortions. And you'll see lots of lists from six to you know, 60, there are a lot of them, but oftentimes when you get into those longer lists, they're really repeated and, and they, they, they affect one another. But I'm going to take you through some of them. I'm just going to read 10 of them really quickly to you so you can see sort of an example of thought distortions. One of them is mind reading. A thought distortion is mind reading. Mind reading is thinking you know what others are thinking and feeling towards you and assuming it's negative without any evidence. God bless you. Some of you think you have, oh, I know what he really meant when he said that. Hello? It's a thought distortion. And many of us live in that space. And we function in our relationships in that space. And we don't understand why I don't have friends. We don't understand why our marriage is struggling. We don't understand why there's always conflict at work. It's because we're constantly living in this space of mind reading. I just assume I know what someone else is thinking or what someone else is feeling. And what's so interesting about it is oftentimes when it's a pattern in a person's life is that assumption, that mind reading capacity always, 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 always is negative rather than positive. The second one that you see oftentimes is what's called shoulds, S-H-O-U-L-D-S. We're talking about must and oughts. I must do this. They should do this. These are demands that we make on ourselves or others. Well, they should know that you're supposed to do this in this situation. Well, I should be good at this all the time. I should never make a mistake. It's, no, it's not reality, friend. We're all gonna make mistakes. We live in this world of shoulds and oughts and, and we're constantly calling ourselves in one way that uh, that's referred to oftentimes as what's uh, called uh, fairy tale fantasies. We live in this place demanding perfection of ourselves and others. The fairy tale fantasy means that we're always, we're always expecting the ideal life. That should never happen. I should get this if I do this. They, 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 they should make this happen all the time. Another one is the all or nothing thinking. All or nothing thinking is seeing things as black and white, only looking at things one way or another. This, these are the type of people, I do this all the time, use the word always, every, never. It should always happen like this. It should never be like that. There's no black and white. There's no gray, right? It's always black and white. It's always this extreme or that extreme. You guys are loving this. Labeling, here you give yourself a label or somebody else and that one word, that one label completely defines you. Well, I'm dumb. I mean, I, I can't do math and so I'm always gonna fail on my math exam because I'm just dumb when it comes to math. I'm ugly. No one's my friend because I'm ugly. Well, you know, he's that way because he's a loser. He's just a jerk. So we take the negative details and we magnify them while we filter out the positive details. Those, these are my favorite kind of people. Every 
everything is filtered through an expectation of the worst and to minimize anything that's good. You probably don't have anybody like this in your life, but oh, it's so lovely when you try to point out a good thing to them and oh, that's really, that's, that's not a big deal. But this problem over here is the, is the big thing, right? Try to point out the positives. You try to focus on the positives. You try to acknowledge anything that's good. Oh, that was just a coincidence. Oh, that probably happened because of this. What's really true is this bad thing over here, right? Everything is filtered through the worst possible scenario. Unfavorable comparisons, it's connected to filtering. It's really the same kind of thing. It's as if you have this unusual magnifying glasses uh, that magnifies the bad thing and minimizes the good thing. And we always are comparing ourselves or comparing others to what is the best about some and the worst about others. Then there are those who are stuck in the place of, it's a hard word to say, catastrophizing. Everything's a catastrophe. Everything that happens is the most terrible thing that could ever happen. This is the worst day of my life. They never heard the story of the little boy who cried wolf growing up. We need to bring that story back. <laughs> Personalizing. Personalizing is seeing yourself as more involved in negative events than you really are. Uh, I, I, man, as a, <laughs> this, I, when I was reading and studying about this, they gave an example that I'm like, ooh, I really need to hear this. As a parent, when your child does something and then all of a sudden I'm the, wor I'm the worst parent in the whole world. Your kid makes a bad grade. Well, it's clearly because I'm a terrible parent. It has nothing to do with the fact that they didn't study, that they don't care, that they didn't try. It's because I'm terrible. When everything is about you all the time and you take other people's circumstances and situations and you personalize it and make it all about you, friend, it is a thought distortion. It ain't all about you. Blaming. Blaming is the opposite of personalizing. Instead of making it all about my fault, what I do is I, it's always somebody else's fault. Something happens in my life, well, if my parents had raised me better. <laughs> I mean, in my home, in my home, they didn't even care about school. And so clearly I was going to never do well in school. Clearly I was going to always fail. Clearly I was never going to be a success at work because my parents were not a success at work. It's their fault. The last one I'll talk about is a distortion is making feelings facts. This is probably my favorite one. Those of us who believe that our feelings are a proof of the way things really are. Well, I feel this way, so it's just the way it is. Well, I feel like he doesn't like me, so he doesn't like me. Well, do you have any evidence? What exactly? Well, no, I just get that sense from him. <laughs> I just know these things, Randy. I can tell. Well, what did he ever say? Well, no, he doesn't even talk to me. See, I told you he doesn't like me. I mean, he said hello, but he didn't shake my hand when he came in. When we make our feelings 
When we equate our feelings with facts, it's a thought distortion. It is noise. It is a distorting of reality, and it's an embracing of something that isn't true. And generally, generally what it does is it creates conflict in our lives. And oftentimes what's really sad, as in the case with this church, is it creates conflict in the lives of people who should be walking together, who should be loving one another, who should be connected, and who should be representing Christ together. See, we as the body of Christ must come to a place where we push through those distortions, where we do exactly what Paul is teaching us to do, where we say, you know what, first of all, first of all, who am I in Christ? First of all, is what I'm thinking in this situation, does it change what Christ has said about me? Does it change the person that God says that I am? Does it change the fact that as a believer, you and I can at least, if we don't agree on anything else, we can at least agree that Christ is Lord. Second of all, I'm gonna choose that I'm not gonna process everything in my life from negative to positive. Instead, Paul says, rejoice. Promise you, he was writing to people who were going through all kinds of hell. And in the middle of it, he said, rejoice. These people were being persecuted. They were being killed for their faith. They were living in catastrophe. And Paul says to them, choose to process from positive to negative, not negative to positive. It is a choice. I know who I am in Christ, and because I know who I am in Christ, my identity is secured and my destiny is secured, so I am greater. My life is better than this circumstance, so I will process from positive to negative because I have something positive to believe and live for. And then, third of all, you and I must come to a place where we simply make the decision I'm going to restore my peace. Restoring my peace is found through replacing those thoughts that misrepresent my identity in Christ. This whole passage, I love it. Paul uses this conflict between two individuals and what they're causing in the church around the idea of a twisted mindset. And he uses it for this broader message, which is as believers, as followers of Christ, we can live at and can experience peace. And the way that we do that is to replace thoughts that are twisted with thoughts that are true. The Lord is at hand. In other words... Paul says, God's presence is with you, so don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known. How, pastor, how do I get through thought distortion? How, I'm tormented by these things. Really, friend, it's simple. In everything, by prayer and supplication, God, is this true? Is this really real? Are my thoughts in alignment with reality here? Through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, so I'm going to have a heart and an attitude that processes from positive to negative instead of negative to positive. Instead of bleeding negative about myself and negative about others, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set myself in a positive mindset with thanksgiving. I'm going to let my requests be known to God. And guess what happens? The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guards my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. So how do I do it? Whatever's true, do you know this is true? Well, I feel like it. Yeah, but do you know it's true? See, because if you feel like it, but you don't know that it's true, if you don't know that it's fact, you can't weigh it the same way. Is it true? Is it honorable? Is it honorable about yourself? 
Some of us live under the curse of such a broken self-esteem because we believe the lie of the enemy and we believe things about ourselves that are simply not honorable. We're caught in mental distortion all the time. I'm a loser. No one likes me. No one loves me. No one cares about me. No one thinks I'm funny. No one wants to be with me. It's not honorable. Is it just? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it commendable? I'm sorry, friend. You just knowing that you know that you know that he's a jerk and then expecting every interaction that you have with him to be filtered through the fact that he's a jerk is not commendable. Is there any excellence? Is there anything worthy of praise? Think about these things, what you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. I'm gonna ask you to stand with me all across this place. There, I'm sorry, there's not a single one of us in this room that if we were to be honest with ourselves, cannot, will not acknowledge that there are times that we deal with distortion. But there are some of us in this room that if we're to be super honest, the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit is dealing with us about thought distortions, patterns of thought distortions. And those patterns of thought distortions are defining us. And they're genuinely keeping us from being the people that God has called us to be. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come and join me up here at the front. If you guys would go ahead and begin to move now. The worship team is going to start to to play and as the worship team starts to play, we're just gonna give a season. If you're here today and you'd be willing to say, you know what, Pastor Andy, I'm, I've been dealing with a mental storm. I've been dealing with some distortions, some thought distortions and I need the Lord to help me. I need the Lord to help me. I need the Lord to replace some wrong thinking with some right thinking. Or if you're here today and you say, hey, pastor, maybe it's not about this. Maybe I have another need in my life or I have something else going on. We're just gonna take a season and we're gonna respond to the Lord. And if you need prayer, if you'd like prayer, as we just take a moment to respond in song to what was preached this morning and respond in worship, if you'd like prayer for any one of these needs, I'm gonna give you time this morning if you'd like to come forward. If you have a need for anything or if you'd like to respond to this message or perhaps you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus and, and you want to respond and give your life to Jesus, we're just going to take a moment before we leave today and give you a chance to respond. Worship team, would you lead us? If you need, if you'd like to respond now, feel free to come. Feel free to allow one of these prayer team members to pray with you. And if you're in your seat, would you just sing this with us this morning? to connect with you. Don't be tormented by the enemy any longer. If you need prayer, maybe you can't be tormented by the lies of the enemy any longer. 
you need prayer, maybe you came sick this morning or you got something else going on in your life, just come on, let them pray with you. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for what you're doing today. I know that I spend a lot of time distracted by the distortion. And so, Lord, I pray for myself and I pray for others, especially during a season like this when there's so much distortion around us. Lord, I pray that we would be people who are rooted in our identity in Christ, that we would choose to process from positive to negative, and that we would make the exchange between that which is a lie of the enemy and that which is true from you. God, this week may we be people who no longer live in the noise, but that, Lord, we live in the freedom that comes by being led by the Spirit and in truth. Lord, I ask it in Jesus' name. May we be blessed in everything that we do, in everywhere we go, in everything that we touch, so that Jesus may be glorified and so that your peace may reign. Bless your people, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Have a great week in the Lord.